You're listening to a message from Pastor Kenny Garrett recorded at a live service at the General Baptist Church God's House of Prayer located in Fairborn, Ohio. 2 Corinthians will be in chapter 5. Read one verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. The Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Will you bow your heads with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord. Uh, for allotting this time for us to assemble. I pray that you anoint me to preach the message you've given, anoint ears to hear, hearts to understand. Draw us each closer to each other as you draw us closer to yourself. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So here we are, Sunday morning, together, looking into this Single verse in 2 Corinthians. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You and I have said many times, are the keeper of this message, that all things uh, can become new to the people around us, to the community around us, to our friends, our family members. Uh, It's not a question of uh, doing right or doing what's expected. It is the possibility of a new birth, a new life in Christ. We carry that message of the gospel that you don't have to live this way anymore. To the alcoholic, somebody who is uh, drinking every day and trying to uh, their best when you, when you, let me say this, when you look into alcoholics or drug addicts, uh, it is my theory and my understanding when you talk to them, when you see them, when you see their actions of what they do over and over and over again, it is simply their way of trying their best to change their own reality. They don't like where they're at. They can't stand where they're at. So they're able to ingest some sort of chemical that alters their state for a short time. And that's how you understand anybody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol. And our message is that change that you're seeking doesn't come from a bottle and it doesn't come from a dealer and it doesn't come from a needle. The change that you're really seeking, that your heart is longing for, is found in the Word of God. It was on a cross at Calvary. It's a new life available to them in Christ. That's our responsibility and our charge in the time that we live. That's what our purpose is. That's why we assemble here, is to carry that message out. And we see it day in and day out as we drive through our neighborhoods, we turn on the news. It's absolutely everywhere that we look. Why are we not doing more? Why are we not telling them what the Word of God says over and over again? But it's not just for them. It's not for the people that we would say need it the most. It's also for a single parent 
that's alone in the world trying to raise children. Uh, if you can imagine somebody who's uh, either cho- life choices, circumstances, things that have happened uh, have left them alone. And uh, like the, the, in the story of the Good Samaritan, kind of beat up and left at the side of the road. We carry that message that there's a new life, that there's a creator that loves them, that there's a way to God, that they can have relationship restored and that they don't have to be alone any further. And we can tell them that their past does not matter. It's what lies ahead that should be their focus. A person alone in a jail cell, a college student, a Muslim, a Buddhist, an atheist, all these people need to hear the gospel message. Amen. That all things can become new. Right. That you don't have to live this way any further. What about children? It seems we used to talk about the age of accountability. Nobody really talks about that too much anymore. It's my theory that the age of accountability is slowly ticking upward. In the modern world that we live in, nobody's really a responsible adult until they're 30 almost now, it seems, right? Sometimes older. But as our kids are, are preparing for life and uh, getting ready to leave home, are we preparing them for a life with God or without? Right. Now, they'll choose their own way. Don't get me wrong in this. They'll choose their own way. But our role as parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles, anybody that has influence in children's life is to share the gospel message that they can be made new. So when they are, uh, I'll say, feeling the call of the Holy Spirit, some will call it conviction. I think what you call it is when and where it's happening, right? That they know the way home. You can bring up a child in church. The Bible says when he's old, he won't depart from it. And that is absolutely true. You can't work out their salvation for them. But when God calls them, they'll know the way home. None of these people, praise the Lord, are counting on your or my ability to save them. And I thank God for that, because I can't do much for them. But I know somebody who can. I can tell them about who can. All that is our responsibility is our obedience to the Word of God. That we don't sit idly by, and that we don't remain quiet while these people are lost and undone and drifting through life. For this type of fire to catch inside a church, we have to be very honest with ourselves. I always go back to, uh, we were down at the Dayton Church, and and you guys know I love Jason Johnson, his wife, and uh, we had really just started preaching and was trying to get our act together down there on Woodley Road, and Jason was in there, and uh, we had some people from the neighborhood in, and, and they were struggling with some addiction problems things of that nature, and uh, Jason says, you know, Kenny has a very similar testimony. I said, hey, buddy, uh, hush. 
right? They don't need to know that. They just need to know that uh, I'm a preacher and what my life's going to look like from here on out. And he's, but, you know, he kind of chuckled because as soon as the words left my mouth, I realized that I was absolutely, completely wrong. That I have to be honest about where I've come from and what God has brought me out of. And you do as well. In 1 Peter it says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That we should shew forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The focus is not on what we've done, but what God has done in our lives. That he's called us and he's worked out our salvation. That he made it possible to be reconciled to God. So we have to be honest about our testimony, about where we came from, if we were near or far. That we can boldly say, I once was this, but now I am a child of God. That he has brought me forth into life and life more abundantly. As we do this, as we start to tell our family, and I want to kind of take a sidestep here. I don't want to get into politics this morning, but I'm seeing it start to happen even more so as his campaign builds. But uh, Mayor Pete, how do you say his last name, Buttigieg? As he gets gains a little steam and gets a little more money behind him and they head into Super Tuesday, I see a lot of Christian people start bringing out them Old Testament scriptures, shaking their heads and going after Pete. And I sit back and our knee-jerk reaction may be, yes, that's the Word of God and that's true. But how we deal with old Pete should be different. When you do that, you're trying to disciple somebody who's not a Christian. Right? I don't know if you guys have ever thought about that. But discipling people who are not Christians does no good. If by chance you can change their behavior for a period of time, you have done absolutely nothing. Until old Pete becomes a Christian, nothing else matters. And nothing else surprises me. Right? You read through the first book of Romans, it talks about a list of things that people that aren't, that do not know God and given over to a reprobate mind are capable of. So no behavior on this earth should surprise us from someone who is unsaved. And until that person's saved, the conversation should always be steered towards there is a Savior. There is life and life more abundantly that all things can be made new. Now, I don't want you to think that that the gospel or the word of God is light or not, um, does not consider renouncing sin and repentance into uh, the new believer's life because very opposite. In Matthew chapter 18, uh, Christ says, Wherefore, if thy hand or thy foot offend thee, cut them off. 
and cast them from thee, it is better for thee to enter into life halt or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if thine eye, if it, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. It is better for thee to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Sometimes we handle those verses correctly, sometimes we don't. When you look at it, it's a realization that once a person becomes saved, that once they hear the gospel message and respond, that they stop worshiping the idol of self and worship Jesus Christ on a daily basis, that they're, uh, the path they walk then becomes, looks like the law, right? That we, we, we know what God deems as right and wrong and we change our actions accordingly and when there's growth in Christ. But Jesus is very clear that we are to fight sin with hand-cutting and eye-gouging ferocity. It is not a light matter. It is not anarchy. You don't uh, get to do as you please. There's a reality to this world. Things are sinful and things are righteous. And the word of God deems which is which. As people come to know Christ, as they start in their life and we start discipling, one of the, I want to say, I don't want to call it tricky because that's the wrong word. I'm going to call it delicate. One of, the, one of the most delicate times in a new Christian's life is in the beginning because there's not a lot of growth in Christ. And we understand in 1 Peter it says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. So with that in mind, as people come to know Christ, and we're not talking about church growth here, because that's not our end goal. Uh, it would be very easy to grow this church into 100, 150 people if we set our minds to do so by shoplifting other Christians from other churches. You need five from 10 other churches, and we just added 50 people. And we've done nothing for the kingdom of heaven. Right? But so I don't want you to think that we're this is focused on church growth. It's it is. Uh, church growth is a result of new Christians coming to know Christ. But the, as we understand the devil being out there and it very real, right? This is not a figment of Hollywood's imagination or some plot in a storyline, very real. The word of God says, like a roaring lion, there is no safer place for that new Christian than together. There is no safer place on earth for a new Christian than together here with us. But now you and I have to make that so. You and I have to love in that fashion. You and I have to understand in that fashion. We have to be accepting in that fashion. That it'll be a little messy, that they may not dress like us, their hair may be a little longer, it might be a little shorter, it might be a different color. They might have a tattoo here and there, that's okay, right? 
but there's no safer place for them than together with us. That's how God has designed it. If we're honest with ourselves, if we learn our testimony, if we start to speak our testimony, I promise you uh, that God will use that. When you honestly tell someone what God has done for you, and I, and I don't mean necessarily material things, because uh, you set up an idea, uh, you have people chasing after the things of God instead of God himself. Uh, and that's off the mark. It might look like Christianity, but it's not. You're just wanting stuff. When we chase after God and we tell people what God has brought us through, things in your life will start to change, and it'll start to change in those around you as well. We'll become that peculiar people on Vine Street, those people that are actively living out the Word of God, that are actively living out their salvation, their relationship with God. In Matthew chapter 28, Christ says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things. Where are you at in your teaching? It's not a job reserved for Brother Mark and Jim and myself. We handle the corporate teaching and the preaching of the Word of God. But individually, we're charged with teaching as well. As I sat up here today, I looked... And I kind of it kind of started off by the conversation I walked into in Sunday school where uh, Diane was we'll call it reminiscing, reminiscing about uh, older Christians and what they had done in their lives and where they put their focus and that sort of thing. But you start to look around, and we're small, but we have several walks of life represented in this room right now. And the Bible teaches and talks about older women teaching the younger women. The older men teaching the younger men. And everybody's engaged in some form of discipling if you're a Christian. You're passing along what you know. I always have said in my life there's been several older saints that went, went on to be with the Lord now. But when you would, when I would talk to them, and they're in their 90s, generally, Sister Delilah, uh, when we went to see her down at our church, Sister Gent, Sister Elsie, all in their 90s when the Lord called them home. Um, but I never wanted, anytime I was with them, I never wanted to teach from them. I never wanted to talk to them. I truly wanted them to talk to me. When I... I met Delilah, I only met her a few times, but we went to her house for to do some kind of a service thing there, sing and, and read some scripture. And I thought, why are we doing this? Why not ask her, you know, how did you do it? She's 92, 93, 94 maybe. 
What was it like walking with God all those times? What a testimony that is. Stand with me this morning.